0: Live only on Netflix.
1: You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We're doing later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Athletic Obscure, the podcast that is the home of the weird, strange, and unknown in sports. My name is Seth Mormon, across the table from me, as always, is my good friend Richard Manning. How you doing everybody? How you doing Seth? Good, good, good. Richard, it's been a while since we recorded our last episode, uh, and that was on the 1904 Olympics. That was awesome.
0: That was strange. That was really gross. It,
1: yeah. Yeah. Crazy. If you missed it, go back, uh, give that one a listen, because the 1904 Olympics were, yeah, weird, strange, and a lot of it unknown, for sure. Uh, But today, Rich, we're going to go back even further in history, um, for a very good reason, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So, um, you know, Rich, it is the most wonderful time of the year.
0: Uh, What? It's not Christmas? It's not, yeah, it's not Halloween, even.
1: football season. Are you ready for some football
0: uh yeah, in fact, and uh, I got my fantasy football team won last week, which was great.
1: Yeah, I don't play fantasy football. I call it fairy tale football. Um, I
0: really think fantasy football is a horrible name for it. I it, really, I I don't know why they just don't go, don't call it rotisserie league football.
1: Right. It's yeah. Baseball. Yeah, or what do they call it in the video games? There's like the manager mode or yeah. something like that. That would, that would make a lot of sense. I have a tough time watching football. Fantasy football,
0: football makes it sound like my quarterback is going to go off and like ride a horse and slay a dragon or something. <laughs> <you> know?
1: Just, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yep. Um, now, the NFL has basically become the national pastime. Yeah. You know, more money is spent uh in the NFL uh, on on seats and suites. Uh tailgating is huge, uh Jersey market is robust. And
0: now that you have um the NFL embracing gambling like it does, that h- opens a whole nother avenue of revenue. Yep. And football is a year round sport because ESPN, you know, even in the off season ESPN will lead with football stories constantly.
1: Oh, all the time, all the time. And e- even, you know, uh, some of the competing football leagues that have come and gone, uh, whether it's the USFL or whatever, uh, are all still living online. Dead Football League Online, uh, if you look at them, there's some really great things that are... That's not where we're going today. Right. Anyways, uh, Saturdays, college football.
0: College football, yeah.
1: You can watch college football for like 15 hours straight on a, on a Saturday. Yeah, like, and
0: that even goes... That even goes deep to Thursday because you still have your Thursday night games and uh, then, like you said, just wall-to-wall football from, like, you know, on the West Coast, you could wake up at 8 in the morning, watch your first game, and then watch football until 11, uh, 11 p.m. Yeah, Even later if the uh, University of Hawaii is playing. Exactly,
1: yeah. You throw in there the Canadian Football League, they play on, like, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sundays, sometimes Mondays as well. You know, you don't have too many days where you don't, have football i mean football is king friday night lights high school football yeah uh, is great now i love baseball baseball is a soft spot in my heart but man it's hard to watch right now
0: i love baseball too but you know we've you and i are both of the same age so we grew up uh, watching the same era of baseball and so we remember the days of like you know complete games and relievers yep. pitching three innings to earn a save yep. and you know, small ball and hit and run and all the strategy, and unfortunately now it's reduced. The game is, it seems like it's been reduced to throwers instead of pitchers yep. and strikeouts and home runs.
1: Yeah, there's there's not a lot of, of subtlety to it anymore. It's just it?
0: not fun to watch.
1: Yeah, everything gets micromanaged. And, anyways, we're not we're not yeah. going to be hitting there um, uh, either. Uh, now, a few teams withstanding, one of them. Here in the Los Angeles area, NFL stadiums are packed with fans.
0: Oh, no, that one team is packed with fans. Just well, not uh, fans <laughs> that root for the actual home <laughs> that's, team. That's
1: true. That's true. Yeah, I think um, they
0: played Dallas this as uh, the week that we're recording this. Yeah, and it's going to be you know it's going to be Irving, Texas, all over again. It's even though gonna, they don't play in Irving anymore, but it, it, you know what it, I mean? It's
1: going to be it's going to be you know seventy five twenty five Cowboys fans. That might in be generous that, in, a, in that building. Yeah, it's it's just sad, uh, but the parking lots. Uh, NFL, uh, yep. filled at, at dawn. Um, Rich, have you seen some of the antics that happen, like Bill's Mafia and stuff like that? Well,
0: yeah. Bill Mafia, Bill's Mafia gets a little dirty. Uh, it, to, yes. You know, we're not going to elaborate into it, but this feel is feel free is, to go look up what they did against the, in the game against the Patriots in Buffalo a couple years ago. Yeah. This is
1: a PG podcast. We, yeah. We, but, uh, um, yeah. Tailgating <laughs> is crazy. You ever tailgated?
0: Yeah. The, I have. Um, yeah. Years ago, uh, it was fun. You know, you get a little, uh, to, you know, you get a little hibachi grill out there. And yep. uh, in fact, well, I was telling you uh, earlier today that uh, the last two years that the Rams played in Anaheim before they moved to St. Louis, I actually sold tickets. So I was in the ticket booth. So yeah. I was able to have like a bird's eye view of the tailgating scene um, as it was unfolding in Anaheim. And it was fun because, you know, you had your crazy, f- and you talk about the Bill's Mafia. I'm old enough to remember the melon heads that would show oh. up in the Rams, in the corner. And sure. then, of course, you also have you know, great fan groups like the Dog Pound in Cleveland, the Black Hole in uh, Vegas for the Raiders, uh, the Cheeseheads in Green Bay. The list goes on. I know yeah. we're not talking about that, but...
1: That sounds like a whole other podcast. Yeah. We'll definitely get there. I've done some tailgating um, back in the days when the Chargers were down in San Diego. I had a friend of mine who had some season seats, and we would go down, and, I mean, we would be in line to get into the parking lot before the sun was up,
0: yeah, that was that in the days before the they had the uh public train transit that would go right into yeah. the uh, parking lot yeah yeah, yeah. It,
1: it was it was before that and it was great I mean so you i mean you start and you you know you crack open a beer at like you know seven in the morning and you know i I remember a couple of games that I don't remember really going into the stadium with a lot of clarity because there was like, you know, I'm like, well, the beers are going to be 10 bucks inside. We've yeah. got a case of Coors Light out here anyway. And plus you
0: had guys like Craig Wheelahan as the Chargers quarterback. <laughs> so not, this was – It uh, almost years. seems therapeutic in that case, <laughs> you know, just –
1: Recently, um, my my girls are in high school right now, and uh, the the school that they go to is uh, it's a, the girls' Catholic school, and the boys' school that they're connected to is St. John Bosco and Bellflower. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about your high school football, you know they're they're usually ranked. One or two in the state. They won a national title in 2019. Well, they're
0: known for athletics. Didn't Omar Garcia Pera graduate from Bosco? He
1: did. And there, there's a huge list of NFL players and Major League Baseball players um, that that have gone through there. It's just a, it's an athletic uh, factory. Um, but they do amazing tailgate. I mean, there is there's tacos and burgers and all mm. sorts of things. This is before a high school football game. The whole parking lot is filled. People have their pop up tents and they got their music playing and they got you know all sorts Sorts of things, and then after the game, it just continues until like eleven or midnight, and it's 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 amazing. I, I I heard, and I think this is true. Um, you know, you can buy a tailgate or you can get a tailgate space for the season there. Mm. Um, and uh, the the head coach, I think, gets a percentage of all the parking, as part of his uh, part That's of his contract. Kind of a sweet gig, right? And it is yeah. packed. All the time you move modern day, yeah, exactly, right,, um, and this whole fascination with spectator sports, yeah, uh, we just kind of talked about football, but you could lump into here uh, you know basketball and baseball and and even hockey and a lot of other things, really we can well, think yeah. we can thank one person for all of that well, before we think is like
0: you know like you said it could even be individual fan groups you know, Oh, or individual sure. fans i mean there's the guy that used to be the fan for the Washington Bullets back in the day he had he was a lawyer and he had seasoned seats behind the opposing bench for 30 years and he would just spend the entire time right. heckling yep. it was just legendary stuff right. look at that look that guy up on youtube yep. but you were going to say sorry
1: well i'm just going to say I, I you know we really have one person to thank for all this and that's by the na- a, na- a man by the name of Edward Payson Weston who Edward Payson Weston I have not heard of this guy everybody should know Edward Payson Weston actually nobody knows Edward Payson Weston today it sounds like you do uh, I do I know actually a lot about Edward Payson Weston we're going to talk a lot about him uh but before we get into the story and I want to kind of lead you to discovery of where we're headed here Rich uh how many steps you got today
0: like what do you mean like Like 12 steps? (laughs) No, Uh, not
1: the 12 steps. This this is not that kind of a podcast. Walking? Yeah, walking. Probably,
0: I don't know. I don't wear an Apple Watch. I don't do that. Uh, I did uh, walk about a mile and a half today. This morning, a little exercise.
1: Everybody seems to be getting their steps today. It seems to be that fun thing. If you have to take a couple of extra steps somewhere, they go, oh, got to get my steps in, got to get my steps in. Uh, I went on that bandwagon a number of years ago. I've had a Fitbit, uh, more than one Fitbit. I wear an Apple Watch. And uh, they say, and I guess the they is, um, depends on who you ask who the they is, Uh, the goal is that every person should have 10,000 steps a day. And that works out to be about, about five miles a day. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, there's a 2010 study in the Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise that found that American adults, on average, take 5,117 steps a day. And that's counting like every single step from the time you get out of bed until you get into bed. And that's about 2.5 miles per day. Now, Richard, I want you to keep those kind of you know numbers in your head. Five miles a day is an active person. Right, two point five is the is the average. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, the conclusion of that study reads that low levels of ambulatory physical activity are contributing to the high prevalence of adult obesity in the United States.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, and I know that you know there's a big push in healthcare in general uh, to use uh, tech-driven analytics and stuff to make people uh, healthier. Whether that's you know wearable technology. Uh, there's other biosensitive uh, materials that can track like heart rate and uh, uh, things like that and you know of course telehealth now too mm-hmm. uh, and then electronic health records where people can access their stuff. The goal is to make people more proactive to theoretically live healthier, Lives increase our well being and then also lower doctor visits and lower their healthcare costs, which is better for everybody.
1: Absolutely. And five miles a day, uh, they say, is, is a pretty good thing. So now, there are some days I get lots of steps. Um, <laughs> there are other days I plopped in front of my computer all day mm-hmm. and get nothing. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Um, how many, the most amount of steps I think I ever got in a day since I've been tracking is like a little bit north of 30,000 steps. Mm-hmm. You know that that's like 15 miles. I was dying at the end of the day.
0: That's rough. I mean, I well, just uh, this last week, uh, I did a walk, uh, six mile walk, um, you know, to and from, uh, essentially walking to dinner and then walking back, and um, that was, uh, you know, uh, even that amount you know you, you become like a little bit of a sweaty mess you know if, yeah. especially if it's a, in a warmer or a humid uh, condition sure uh how 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 far do you think you could walk in a day i don't know i mean i did six miles and I, I even though i was a little tired i i felt comfortable it wasn't like i was out of breath so i could probably
1: walk 10 if i need to yeah i bet you could do more like if you were um if we were at like uh, uh, some amusement park or some you know thing that we were going to be well, walking think, around all day. I think day. the thing
0: is you don't if you don't think about it yeah. you don't really think about how much you're walking during the day. You could walk a whole lot more because you're being distracted. Your brain is being distracted by other things.
1: Yeah. What about like like during a during a whole week? Like so, for example, back in 2019, I, I went to Washington D.C. with my uh, daughter's class, and and we were on our feet like all day walking. Um, and I, I think we we went over a hundred thousand steps uh, in the week. It's like fifty miles. Okay. You know.
0: Yeah, and then uh, you know, so I go. You know, when there's not a pandemic going on, I yeah. go to New York uh, on business at least once a year. And the first time my wife and I went there, when she had the Fitbit, uh, she re- started to record miles because we could record mileage on her phone. And in five days, we tracked that we walked 42 miles. Yeah. So I'm sure if we were there for the sixth day, like you were in yeah. D.C., we would have probably hit that 50-mile mark. E- easy
1: to do. And, it, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a long way. And just to think, you know, 50 miles in a week man that just is sounds like 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 a huge but i'm going to tell you That's Richard,
0: great though because but you know where where what where are we going with this
1: so i'm going to tell you that 50 miles in a week is nothing for our friend Mr. Weston all right okay so i'm going to take you back in time when walking was america's favorite spectator sport Yes, I said it. Walking. walking, walking. Now, in fact, everything you know about spectator sports in America has its roots in something that is called pedestrianism. All right. Now, including the aforementioned football, uh, NASCAR, cycling, professional baseball, in-stadium entertainment, food vendors, and even the sports page of newspapers, all has its roots in pedestrianism.
0: You got to be kidding me.
1: Nope. 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 You oh. heard, uh, pedestrianism. Walking. All right. I will argue here, as I tell the story today, that without pedestrianism, we might not have sports books or sports gambling or it might look a little bit different. Dare I say we might not have fantasy football? That's all, right. all right. Not to mention the Go proliferation of, of indoor sports venues. Madison Square Garden and places like that owe their existence to pedestrianism. Um, also... Through pedestrianism, uh, uh, it also animated other areas of life and culture. Uh, American-British relationship, class warfare, racial injustice, women's rights, police corruption, immigration, and religious zealotry all have their roots in pedestrianism. That's a bold statement. It is. There will be accusations before we're done with this story of corruption and the use of performance-enhancing drugs. Performance Sashee <laughs> drugs. Yes. For walking. For walking. It's crazy. Ah. But before we put on our walking shoes, we have to take a little bit of a break. Um, on the other side of the break, we'll be back to talk about Mr. Weston and the whole idea of pedestrianism. Hold on. We'll be right back. It's only a kick,
0: oh, a jump, a block.
1: Rich and I may be new at podcasting, but our podcast partner is not. We use anchor.fm to host and distribute the Athletic Obscura podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way we have found to make and distribute a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's totally free, which is a huge selling point for us. Second, there are a ton of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. No additional software needed, and no complex programs to learn. Once you've recorded your podcast, Anchor will distribute it for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. One of the coolest things is that you can actually make money from your podcast right away. No need to wait to grow your audience, as there are no minimum listener requirements to be met, which helps you when you're just starting out. Anchor has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to the the story here. Um, Well, where should we head here, Richard? Okay, Okay, I'm
0: trying to like just wrap my head around uh, walking as a sport. I mean, I get it because I know there's like the Olympics where they do have walking. It's the sport that... uh, that looks like everybody's trying to hold back, going to the bathroom or run to the <laughs> right. bathroom. Uh,
1: Those know, walkers can walk fast;
0: they do. And it's weird because if you, have you ever watched walking in the Olympics? Yeah, where they have the rules where it's like, nope, you're actually looking like you're breaking into a jog. Yeah, yeah. you're penalized. Yeah, it's like weird, but yeah, the 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 gate is just.
1: They have nope. to have they have to have both uh, both feet touching at the same time. Yeah, this is part of our story, Richard. We're going to get into a little all bit right. uh, of that. So, so yes, this is sort of like that Olympic thing, but it's not really like that Olympic well, thing.
0: Well, you did all the research. I mean, you literally have a book. So, I, uh, I do
1: have a book. So
0: uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you just you know take the wheel on this one.
1: Okay, Richard. So um, buckle up. We're going to talk about uh, pedestrianism. Uh, I have uh, a great book. It is entitled Pedestrianism when watching people walk, was America's favorite spectator sport. It's by uh, an author named Matthew Allegio, or Allegio. Uh, and I want to read you the the preface for this. And this will kind of get things set up. There's going to be some characters in here we'll end up talking about um, a, a little bit later. But here is uh, the preface. Dan O'Leary staggered around the dusty track on the floor of Madison Square Garden like a drunken man. Um, uh Sweat streamed down his face, saturating the bandana he wore tied around his neck. The thousands in attendance watched in stunned silence as O'Leary struggled to stay on his feet. His emaciated body bent like a wheat stalk in a thunderstorm. His countenance was appalling, a mouth agape, cheeks hollow, eyes barely open. One spectator said he looked like a corpse, but nobody looked away. The audience was transfixed. It was noon on Wednesday, March twelfth, 1879, the third day of the Astley Belt Race, a six-day walking match to determine the world's champion pedestrian. This was the biggest sporting event of the year, a Gilded Age version of Wimbledon or the Masters Golf Tournament, and Dan O'Leary, an Irish immigrant from Chicago, was America's best hope for winning the race. He'd been circling the one-eighth of a mile oval inside the garden for two and a half days, Practically non-stop. He completed 1,624 laps, 203 miles, but was still more than 30 miles behind the race leader, an Englishman named Charles Rowell. O'Leary had walked nearly 3,000 miles in various competitions over the past 12 months, and now his body was broken. Later in the afternoon, O'Leary retreated to his tent and collapsed on his bed. A doctor summoned to examine O'Leary declared him simply used up. At 5.36 p.m., O'Leary limped to the judge's stand. Gentlemen, he announced, I have finished. The crowd gasped. Western Union carried the news instantly by telegraph across the country. Within an hour, extra editions of the newspapers began appearing on street corners from New York to San Francisco, announcing the shocking news in bold front-page headlines, O'Leary quits. Dan O'Leary's withdrawal from the Astley Belt race was national news because, at the time, competitive walking was the most popular spectator sport in the United States. In the 1870s and 1880s, fans regularly packed massive arenas like the first Madison Square Garden and Chicago's Interstate Exposition Building, paying 25 or 50 cents apiece to watch people walk in circles for days at a time. As one newspaper pointed out, a great walking match was as talked about as the weather. Running was sometimes allowed, however, as we shall see, it is not. An especially effective strategy, the sport known as pedestrianism spawned America's first celebrity athletes, the forerunners or for walkers actually of LeBron James and Tiger Woods. Dan O'Leary was as famous as President Chester A. Arthur himself, who was a huge fan of the sport. The top pedestrians earned a fortune in prize money and endorsement deals. O'Leary was the out, was the spokesman for a brand of salt. And their images appeared on some of the first cigarette trading cards, which children collected as avidly as later generations would collect baseball cards. The sport opened up doors for immigrants, African-Americans, and women, affording those underprivileged groups unprecedented opportunities for status and wealth. Less laudably, pedestrianism also gave professional sports its first doping scandal. It is no coincidence that pedestrianism's rise coincided with the Industrial Revolution. Throughout the 19th century, rapid increase in mechanization and urbanization resulted in something previously unimaginable. To all but the very rich, leisure, something called leisure time. For the first time, millions of ordinary people had free time on their hands, and many chose to spend it watching other people walk. What does that say about them and their times? And what does it say about us and ours as we regard them as quaint, even simple for having done so? Uh, In the following pages, we will examine competitive walking's peculiar appeal, its rise and fall, and its enduring influence. Um, In many ways, and I've said some of this before already, in many ways, pedestrianism marked the beginning of modern spectator sports in the United States. Never before had so many people attended, and not coincidentally wagered on, athletic events. Never before had the media devoted so much attention to them. NASCAR, the National Football League, even sports radio, all are legacies of pedestrianism. Uh, above all, well, I can't turn the page here, Richard. Oh, all right. Tell here little yeah, here we go. Above all, however, this is the story of the pedestrians themselves, men and women who performed unimaginable feats of human endurance, walking for days and weeks on end, always under punishing conditions. What they achieved is as remarkable as the achievements of today's best endurance athletes. Their names deserve to be remembered and they ought to assume their rightful place in the pantheon of history's great athletes. That's strange. I mean, that's just the
0: only way I can think of it. And I have to just quantify that because, you know, we're in the 21st century, and that just, like the author says, it just sounds quaint. Then again, I also thought about, as you read that, I also thought about, well, 10 years ago, we would have thought kids watching YouTube videos of people playing video games was kind of strange. Right? Now look how much money esports it's makes. It's huge. So yeah. Huge. So that kind of you know, it's just something that's watching people play video games, I think the DNA the more I think about it is connected to, into this.
1: Yeah, but uh, there is there's this idea that people like to watch things. Right. And 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 you I mean it, it could get twisted and dark. Pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And I actually have, you know, as you said that, because, yeah, there is the inherent need for people to be uh, spectators. I mean, the one thing that I think of is 1861, uh, the Civil War, the Battle of Bull Run, which was the, like, the first major war or the first major battle of the Civil War. And there were picnickers. There were spectators that had gathered picnics and they brought their opera glasses and they brought you know, bottles of, you know, wine or whatever, champagne. Uh, Congress people showed up uh, to watch this, and the whole reason was they thought, whoa, this is going to be the first war, and the Union is going to go and uh, defeat the Confederates, and it turned out to be a bloody war that the Union soldiers were unprepared for, and the spectators, you know, realized really quickly that they made a huge mistake, and they scrambled to safety. But think about that, it's like, the need to watch, you know, something. Mm-hmm. It's the, the need to spectate, and that was like, hey, let's go and watch a bloody, oh, uh, a uh, civil war battle. Let's watch a military battle. That's insane,
1: you know. I, you know, spectator sports, you know, are, are not a new phenomenon. I mean, back in in Roman times, you know, the they, Christians eating the lions. Yeah, 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 they have they have the whole the Christians eating the lions.
0: Fighting, the yeah, being fed to the lions. That, well, that, that and uh, the
1: gladiators and stuff. Yep. But, but I think that that was also a product of of that particular culture because, again, they had, um, you know, there's concentration of people living in the city. There, mm-hmm. was, um, uh, there was enough uh, wealth that was there. People had some free time and yep. some leisure time. And so this whole thing, you know, people want to see those things. Yeah, and besides, what did the Romans ever do for us? Right. There's Nothing. your Monty
0: Python uh, reference for you there.
1: <laughs> So All right. Let's get some perspective about pedestrianism and, and really we need to go back a little bit further. You know, right. what, what I had talked about uh, is you know about eighteen seventies, but let's go all the way back to eighteen oh nine in right. England, uh seventy miles north of London, uh and this is kind of where pedestrianism begins, and of course it begins with a bet. All right. <laughs> As everything does, yeah, right? It it's a gentleman's wager, and I would guess there was some drinking involved. <gasps> Shocking, I guess. All right. Uh, so 29-year-old um, Captain Robert Barclay made a wager with a man named James Webster. Uh, if Barclay could walk, and here's the thing. I bet that you could walk one mile every hour for 1,000 consecutive hours. No. Yeah, that's the bet. Uh, that's a dumb bet. <laughs> Can you walk one mile every hour for 1,000 consecutive hours? So Webster said that if Barclay could do it, he would pay him 1,000 guineas. Now, this is not a little bit of money, all right? So this is, uh, in the time in Britain, uh, average worker made about a guinea a week. So this is maybe about three years' wages for a a common worker. Yeah. Now, let's talk about 1,000 consecutive hours. That's 41 days of walking a mile every hour consecutively. All right. Or we could say it this way. It was eight hours less than six weeks.
0: No. <laughs> right. There's a Stephen King novel about this. It's called the Long or a Story. It's called The Long Walk. And the premise is the people have to walk like four miles within an hour, and if they don't they get they get shot to death by the state. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: It's a brutal book. So this, but this was a bet. This is a bet. All right, so, 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 um, this whole thing, uh, uh, when Barclay starts doing this, uh, the newspapers called it the greatest human feat ever attempted, and it seemed like it was going to be absolutely bonkers. Now, the book again, the book that I'm talking about, Pedestrianism mm-hmm. When Watching People Walk Was America's Favorite Spectator Sport by Matthew Alego, um. It, catalogs this whole thing and there's so much in this book Richard that I would really highly recommend if you if you like history and sports you will love that book
0: just looking at the name of the guy uh the author it looks like it's pronounced Algeo
1: sure instead, a- of, Alge- a- a- L- instead of Lego A-L-G-E-O yeah. Algeo Algeo whatever okay. um but a great fantastic book right. um I I would I would highly recommend it now let's get back to to, to Barclay okay name Barclay ring a bell to you Richard
0: well, I think of there's the bank and I yep. also think of uh, the arena where the Brooklyn Nets play. Yep,
1: absolutely. This is um one of one of uh, Captain Barclay's um descendants started the bank. And okay. then names the, the that gets named the arena in Brooklyn where the Nets right. and the Islanders played there a little bit. Too. Yeah, um, this is a little foreshadowing because we're going to come back to this idea of sports arenas before the story is over. Okay, now let's get back to this challenge. This was considered a, a, an impossible challenge. This is beyond the limits of human endurance. Is kind of what the newspapers were saying. Uh, but Barkley goes, not a problem. It's just one mile every hour for eight weeks. <laughs> So That's. so he, he had set it up uh, out of his house uh, that there was a, a path and there was a white stake that was a half a mile down that was driven into the ground. He would walk out to the white stake, walk around it, and walk back. And he did some interesting things. Like he would um, at, uh, you know, right at uh, the, almost to the top of the hour, he would walk a mile. And then as soon as he got back, it would be the next hour. So then he would walk another mile and then he would have a long time to take, to, to sleep or to rest or to eat. So that's kind of, kind of what he did. Um, Barclay is a Scotsman. He was born into the athletic tradition of his home Highland Games. Okay, he he participated in the Highland Games. So, is this
0: guy like a slight build, or did he have was he burly enough to like do caber tossing? Yeah, stuff he like that? was
1: caber tossing and and you know uh, moving the big stones okay. and all that. He was he was a, a, a an athlete. In fact, uh, the newspaper described him as having a staunch partiality for general athletic exercises. All right, all right. so so this he's. He's he's got it in it. Now, I want you to think about doing something every single hour for a thousand consecutive hours, sleep deprivation. Yeah. Has gotta be a, a major issue here.
0: Yeah, even if like he like banks his time like he says, like have like, you know, thirty, forty minutes of sleep, that's still just thirty, forty minutes of sleep.
1: Right. Absolutely. And also you have the weather. I mean, what if it's pouring down rain and you can't, at some point in these 41 days, can you try to, right to you, ha- you have to get it done or else you're going to lose the bet.
0: Now, and that's a big problem, you know, because this takes place in the UK. Yep. And rain is kind of a uh, yep. a, a common th- occurrence. And we're
1: 70 miles north of London. So, you know, the further north you go, the more rain yep. you're going to have. Now, it, it turns out that Barclay is what, what they call a polyphasic sleeper. So he can get his allotted sleep in small little chunks.
0: Okay, so like the Da Vinci sleep.
1: Right, and right. Th- Thomas, Adi- Thomas Edison is the same. Okay, uh, A number of these people who, you know, they'll sleep, they'll catnap, and they'll, you know, that's not me. I'm a monophasic sleeper. I need like my good, you know, eight hours at night. Yeah. Um, but so it turns out that this event became extremely popular. Uh, thousands made the trek out to the countryside to watch. It was said that there were no uh, uh, inns or hotel rooms or any beds available for 20 miles around. Holy cow. So thousands of people uh, showed up. People started erecting tents in the fields, um, and many, many more people claimed to be there than were probably in attendance.
0: <laughs> so it was like, I was there to watch Barkley walk.
1: Right, exactly. This is back to the uh, old, uh, you know, if everybody who said they were at Woodstock was actually at Woodstock, there yeah. would be, you know, two million people there. All right, so this is now, uh, this is in July. Um, mm-hmm. He finishes. And it, there's Bedlam. I. There are thousands of people lining the road. The crowds erupting in thunderous applause. Church bells are pealing in his honor. <laughs> All right, it's front line headlines, uh, front page headlines uh, in the newspapers. It, it, this is a, this is a huge not just sports story. This is a huge news story. So this might be the first sports story that actually transcends yeah. sports. Absolutely. It is said that Barkley lost thirty two pounds. Uh, he went to sleep for like 17 hours, and then a couple of days later, he goes, yeah, I could probably do that again.
0: <laughs> so did the guy like do a double or nothing bet on him, or did he try to recoup his money? Because the other guy has to think, oh, yeah, this is easy money, and then... Well, oh crud! I now have to give this guy three years worth of wages. We'll get
1: into some of that in in the story as it comes out in when this uh, takes off in America. But this is the competitive walking craze that that kind of st- happens in Britain, and th- the one thing that it spawned is a huge wagering side business. So. So there is tons of uh, of betting that is happening. Lots of people are starting to do uh, these walks. Now, at this time, it's usually a walk against time. So this is not like two people right. Like racing. It's like uh, there, there's a, a number of these, and we'll get into some of those as well. But here, here's where it, it gets very, very interesting, is that the newspapers begin listing the results of the competitors. And, in fact, it starts getting into its own section in the newspaper, and eventually – it becomes the first sports page.
0: (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine, like, people just, you know, just clamoring to grab a newspaper and race to the sports page or the, the the page you know page 4 or 5 or whatever just to see okay who walked the fastest or who made their walking time well, or, if
1: you got yeah. lots of money on it richard you're going to have a very keen interest on on uh on who did this this is true yep. money
0: uh yeah money does change everything doesn't right, it
1: well, let's fast forward let's go to the 1850s in america and uh so let's go pre civil war okay uh, and we kind of talked about this in in the uh, uh preface of the book mm-hmm. um but there was really no spectator sports in the us
0: yeah because baseball you know was invented in, in like 1839 yep. but that was still just very much a regional hobby kind of you know there wasn't anything that didn't really take off until the 1870s with the formation of the
1: american association yeah now some of the reasons that you don't really have spectator sports is you got rural population, you got difficult travel. Um you got a negligible disposable income, not a lot of time for recreation, there's a lack of suitable venues. Yeah. So it's not not really it's not really the the time or the place.
0: And there's also a lot of expansion going on, a lot of people moving across the country. Yeah. You know, uh that's that's a whole other angle.
1: Now, now there are some blood sports that are popular. You know, you have cockfighting, dogfighting, bare-knuckle boxing. All of them are illegal. Yeah. All right. And now there's lots of betting that happened on this, but this is all on the, the, the margins of society. This right. is not mainline And I all.
0: wonder if because all these things, the cockfighting, the dogfighting, bare-knuckle boxing, they're all illicit behavior yeah. that they exchange money, you know, underground. I wonder if this is the birth of sports gambling having a dirty reputation and being seedy because good I I think so because it wasn't you know sports gambling then has in America has the roots in all these illicit activities and people that were you have to imagine the people were doing this weren't the upper crust of society
1: right absolutely yeah so this this is a whole this is this underbelly of of society at the time now um Baseball, we talked about that a little bit already. It's in its infancy, yep. uh, but you need a lot of people. You need a large space, um, and you need the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, baseball diamonds around the country, especially in like rural populations and stuff like that, they're not going to build a bunch of baseball diamonds. This is the point where people are buying uh, Snapping Up Land, Manifest Destiny, what have you. They're not going to take some of that line and say, hey, let's build a baseball
1: diamond. Right. And, what and- is a baseball diamond? And in yeah. fact, it, during the Civil War, is kind of where you know th- this game kind of starts spreading, yeah. and, and becomes becomes popular because it comes to pass
0: the time, it, it's for it, the soldiers to pass the time exactly.
1: And it's not; it, it was not built as a spectator sport. It right. was built as people to actually participate in it. Yeah. So it becomes a spectator sport, but I think only because of really what happens in pedestrianism is right. really what kind of leads this to it. So let's get let's get back to uh, this uh, Edward Payson. Uh, Weston. This is kind of our first hero of of the story here. Uh, he's a door-to-door bookseller. Uh, he's living kind of in the New England area. Okay. And um, he uh, and uh, another friend decide to make a wager.
0: <laughs> so this whole thing is
1: based on bets. It's all based on bets. And again, I'm sure alcohol was involved. I'm sure it was. So So it's all beer bets. Yeah. Here is, here is the, here's the bet. Now, uh, Weston believed uh, that Lincoln is going to lose the presidential election of 1860. All right. Um, and uh, um, he makes a wager with his friend George Eddy. He, here's the bet. The loser has to walk from the state house in Boston to the capital in Washington in 10 consecutive days.
0: <laughs> All right. How, much mi- how many miles is that?
1: 478 miles in 10 so days so that's like 47 miles a day remember what we talked about our at the beginning like my time in washington dc was yeah. 50 miles for the week and i was dead for you yeah, had like 42. 42
0: miles in five days 50 miles for you in yeah. six days
1: i was dead yeah this is this is almost 50 miles a day
0: he's pretty much doing that a day for yeah. you know yeah
1: so for 10 days straight so, yeah, just to put it in perspective, it's crazy. Now, Weston is not a not a tall guy, 5'8". They say he doesn't have a long stride, but he had exceptional endurance, and he was he was a showman. The book goes into some of the reasons why. I don't have time to get into all the reasons why. Again, pick up the book. I think it's great. I'm not even getting paid to say that. So <laughs> this is uh, – now, remember, the inauguration is happening in March at this time before they right, moved it to because January. because they hadn't
0: moved it up to January 1st, so, 20th. But it's yeah.
1: still not great weather. And there's no like interstates. There's no like great roads. To yeah, get there's f- no. There's not even the U.S. Uh, highway system no, at this point. No, th- th- there's there's not. All right, he needed some money. to to pay for this. So not only is there a bet involved, it's going to cost money for him to do it. Mm -hmm. So he's got to raise some money. There's also going to be um, a carriage that goes along with him that's got some supplies and some people that are traveling with him. But he's going to be doing the walking. Mm -hmm. Now, in in exchange for some money, uh, he gets sponsors. All right? All right. So, again, going back to the roots of finding a sponsor, like the NASCAR, you know, has all All the... Yeah, yeah. The, and the now stuff, the, the, the stickers, NBA has
0: the you know, the jersey the patches jersey, yeah. or
1: or the, the helmet uh, decals in the NHL and and all of those things, all things on the sidelines. Uh, yeah, the advertisements that you see over and over again um, in sporting events all yep. comes goes back to Weston here because Weston's got to find some sponsors. So he he gets um, in exchange for some money, he agrees to hand out promotional literature for Baker Sewing Machine Company in new york okay um he also has uh, uh an agreement and,
0: and he's a door-to-door salesman so that's yeah. kind of like a natural thing for him absolutely
1: so this is he's he's thinking of this already i gotta how am i gonna get some money i'm gonna go i'm gonna be passing out this thing he also gets sponsorship from a, a local pharmacy a photographic studio and a haberdashery so this basic question
0: because uh, you just had local pharmacy if he's walking to boston from boston to washington uh, the further he gets away from Boston, yeah. the less relevant the advertising would be, right? Now,
1: it seems to be that the pharmacy, the photographic studio, and the haberdashery were more local to the Boston area. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, he did that on the front end. But for the for the sewing company, he did the entire way. Okay. This is a big uh, New York company. Right. All right. There's the Rubber Clothing Company, which is a, a great name for a company. The Rubber Clothing Company is the name of it. That's um, crazy. They uh, furnished him with a, a waterproof suit for the bad weather. Uh, in exchange for him to talk about it on the way. Um, That's got to be pretty scientific in advance for for 1860. Right? Yeah. Now, um, Weston also is a a great promoter. So he mails the route and the itinerary to all the local newspapers along uh, the way. Okay, so this guy's pretty sharp. He's very sharp. All right? five days in, uh, into it. Now, there's a lot of things that happen. He's supposed to start uh, uh, midday. Um, uh, the newspapers uh, find out, or uh, are, are said this is where he's going to start. Um, he had some outstanding debts, so the police come and arrest him right, right before he gets started, and he has to do some fast talking, and he doesn't actually get started until much later in the day. So he's he's lost out on a couple of hours wow. of this trip. So anyways, he is going, five days in uh he's gone from boston and he enters manhattan and he goes to um he goes to the sewing machine company uh the baker sewing machine company um and uh he visits you know because he's now their their uh their star athlete i don't know <laughs> i look at a star f- celebrity endorser yeah yes, your, your endorsement and it is said uh, that uh, during the whole trip weston passed out uh, fifty thousand advertisements for them so oh, that's again, quite a lot. So he had he had some sort of he had a carriage with him, and I'm not sure if he had printers along the way. The book doesn't really get into that. Printers along the way that would give him some, uh, you know, do some printing for him. Anyways, fifty thousand dollar advertisements for them. Eventually, he makes it uh, to Newark, New Jersey. One of the you know. He can't walk the entire way, so he ends up taking a, a ferry across. Uh, he gets to Newark, New Jersey, and the crowds that are going to meet him as he comes off the boat are so large that the police have to be called in. So this is now it is so widespread, so widespread. So th- what started as a gentleman's bet is now turning into a, a, an event. All right, wow. Uh, he really endeared himself to to the to the common people. He was he would he would stop and he would make some speeches. Of course he would talk about the, the rubber clothing company and the sewing company while he was uh, doing those things. Now you gotta remember that that America's a walking nation. All right. Of this is, this is beginning eighteen sixty one. Um, most people are traveled exclusively by foot. Mm-hmm. Now some of the people who are living in the city, there's some other options that are there. But basically if you wanted to put it into this terms, the one percent sat when they traveled and the ninety nine percent walked mm-hmm. when they traveled, so he was a man of the people, and the people were were just loving that he was doing this. Um, but there are some other very heavy things that are happening. You know, the country is literally splitting apart. You know, before of course. before Lincoln is inaugurated, you have you have states that are leaving the union. Yep, you have war that is right on the brink, and this gave people some unity something to kind of rally around, something mm-hmm. that kind of brought them together, um, thinking about the heaviness that um, was happening, not e- not to even know all of the horrors that are to come w- with the Civil War. Well, then again, this, we actually can contemporize
0: this because think, you know, as we're recording this, we're not too far removed from the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Absolutely. And look to see how much... Baseball and football particularly united uh, the country by just sitting there and watching, you know, the the Yankees play or yeah. you, the Yankees going to the World Series right. that year, just how everybody was like, even the most staunch uh, anti-Yankee people were like kind of cool with the Yankees making the World Series yep. run because like, you know, sports was a killing bomb after that. And so you have this being... A sport being a healing bomb for a fractured country. Yeah,
1: crazy, crazy. Yeah. Um, The other thing, of course, this there was a huge market for gambling on this event. (laughs) Of
0: course, there was.
1: Um, uh, Is he going to make it to Washington on on time? Uh, The the all up and down the coast, people are betting on this. Now, um, he set foot on the grounds of the Capitol. Uh, Now, remember. 1861. The dome is still under construction, mm-hmm. but he sets foot there at 5 p.m. on inauguration day. Uh, he missed it by like five hours. All right. So he went ten days, four hours, twelve minutes. That's and still pretty and, dang good. And he failed, but yeah. he won widespread admiration. Admiration. Now here here's where things kind of change. All right. Um, and I don't mean to gloss over the Civil War, but this is not a Civil War podcast, but post-Civil War here, you have a new kind of industrial revolution. Now you have influx of people into the cities, you have public transportation that's improving, you have workers having a little bit of extra money and a little bit of free time. Mm -hmm. You now have European immigration bringing people with a fondness for sport and games from their homeland. You have uh, some new architecture uh, that created um, there needed to be more enclosed semi-public facilities with more people living in the cities for political rallies, for religious revivals, for livestock shows. Mm-hmm. And so you, <clears throat> you had the building of agricultural halls, exposition buildings. Um, really, these are the first sports arenas is really what's this going to turn into.
0: Right. I mean, you look at, like, uh, big, uh, you know, enclosed facilities or even, uh, you know, semi-enclosed, like uh, the New York Polo Grounds. Yeah was a example of that because that was a big exhibition hall when they weren't using uh uh using that for sport and so you have that concept and it's it's interesting that it goes back to that
1: far yeah it, this goes all the way back post post civil war <clears throat> interesting aside here but it's but it's very important as we move on uh, the other thing that really leads into this whole uh, pl- proliferation of spectator sports is uh, roller skating. I actually knew about this. <laughs> okay, I figured you know something about it. Um, so there's this guy named James Leonard Plimpton. Uh, he was not doing well. The doctor said he needed to get out and exercise more. In the winter, he started ice skating. And at the time... Ice skates, you know, were, were pretty prevalent, and so he would ice skate for health. But what is he going to do in the warmer weather? Well, he wanted to do maybe something similar. Um, there were roller skates at the time, but they were more like, like daredevil, like skis with wheels uh-huh. on them. He invents what is to be called the guided parlor skate. It is a boot that then has four wheels, two axles, and as you... Put pressure on one side or the other, you can turn. Sound a little okay.
0: familiar? It does. Now, where's this Plimpton guy come
1: from? Uh, I, I knew you were going to ask that, and it's—I didn't look it up. Okay, so. so
0: something to look at because I'm curious if he's Canadian. Uh, because I, I, know, I think he's American. Okay, because I know hockey. I do believe starts starts coming in about 1860s
1: but that's something for us to look up. Yeah. I don't have any of that in my right. notes.
0: But but here's the thing. So roller skating, the reason I know about this and you can actually look up because I don't know if about you but you think 1870, 1880 people on roller skates? Yep. That sounds really weird. Yep. However, so there's a a movie that came out in 1980. It's called Heaven's Gate. Yep. It is notorious for being a one of the worst movies ever. Long story short, the guy that directed The Deer Hunter, which won all kinds of awards, sure. was given carte blanche by the studio to make the movie that he wanted on his own terms. And he made this movie called Heaven's Gate, which wound up being way over budget, way long. The original cut was like five and a half hours. Mm. Uh, it was released. It was panned. It was bombed. It kind of ruined his career. Even They even re, 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 uh, re-released a uh, truncated version of this later on. And uh, the truncated version was still three and a half hours. Goodness. But I re- bring that up because the titular um, building in known as Heaven's Gate in the movie is a giant roller skating rink in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Now, this movie <laughs> takes place in 1870. Yep. I don't recommend you watch the movie because why would you <laughs> want to spend five and a half hours or even three and a half hours to watch the uh, shortened version of a movie that was considered a colossal failure? But you can go on YouTube and watch the roller skating sequences, and it's weird because these people are dressed in 1870s, you know, old west theme, you know, um, gear, and they're dancing on roller skates and they're skating around. And the scene starts with this kid playing this fiddle, doing all these tricks with roller skates (laughs) while he's busting out this jam on this fiddle, and then they all come out and they dance, and it's really strange. And it gets really strange when you look at the context of the movie because 1980, this is when, like, roller disco was a thing. And yeah, there was right. A, you had, like, Xanadu and Starlight yeah. Express, and yeah. there was a movie that came out in 79 with Linda Blair, no less, <laughs> called Roller Boogie.
1: <laughs> oh, good old Roller Boogie.
0: So there you go. So, yeah, so if you want to, like, get a glimpse of what we're talking about, you I recommend at least going on the YouTube and – looking at that scene from Heaven's Gate.
1: Yeah, so so Plimpton's uh, invention of the guided parlor skate um, becomes uh, a, a crazy popular thing in the United States. Uh, people are roller skating all over the place, and indoor rinks are popping up all across the country. Like, up front, from coast to coast, you have indoor rinks. Uh, and so... Let's get back to, to, to Weston here okay. a little bit. Uh, 1867, Weston found himself in debt. Surprise, surprise. And he then negotiated a walk from Portland, Maine to Chicago. Okay. And he was going to do it in 30 consecutive days, but he doesn't include Sundays. Because his mom got mad at him the last time he did a walk that he walked <laughs> on the Sabbath. Oh, mom. So he makes a promise to his mom that he won't walk on Saturday. Now, here's something interesting. For now, the, the, the craziness that will happen in pedestrianism, they never walk on Sundays. Okay. They don't walk on Sundays.
0: That actually makes sense because yeah. I know there's a f- – that was one of the big problems that the NFL had when they first started. Is like you play football on Sundays. That's not kosher. Right.
1: You right. You know? And, and um, so, so he's going from Portland, Maine to, to Chicago, uh, and he made it with a, a, a day to spare. He enters into Chicago, and there's a crowd of estimated 50,000 people there. Now, that's about a fifth of the population of Chicago. That's, they all become Cubs fans. I don't know. <laughs> right. That's yeah. all I can say. That,
0: that's just a mind-bending number.
1: And it is said that he's, perhaps the most famous man in America at that point and we have
0: 1867 really... yes so oh, in that... his defense Lincoln's dead and everybody hated Andrew Johnson so yeah.
1: so now of course Weston is a showman he's always looking to make a buck um, and so he begins to to book um, walking exhibitions in roller rinks. Okay. Right? So now there's roller rinks all over the place. It's indoor. Um and so he's doing these walking exhibitions. He would charge 50 cents for people to watch him walk in circles and people gladly paid. They 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 gave up their money, 50 cents and they're going to watch him walk.
0: Okay. This this almost sounds like the roots of charlatanism. Sure. Honestly, it's like cuz we're not far removed from uh The revolving, uh, you know, the uh, snake oil salesman and the uh, roaming apothecaries at this point, are we?
1: Yeah, and the circus is going to come into the story in just a little bit. Okay, okay, and then you also have 10 revivals. Correct. So, yeah. Yep, yep. Now, um, Weston is usually walking in its time, like he's saying, I want to say um, 100 miles in 24 hours. That's what I'm going to do. 100 miles in 24 hours. Holy yeah. moly, 100 miles in 24 hours. Uh, but the other thing you need to know about Weston, he's always wore a ruffled shirt. He carried a riding crop or a cane. That'd be his trademark. You can find, uh, you know, some of, uh, of the images um, about him. He always had a, a riding crop or, or a cane. Um, but he also knew that the the event is a lot more than just him walking around in circles, that there's entertainment here. So you know what he did? He hired a band. That makes sense. Yeah. So then the band would come in, and then the band would play, and it would be part, you know, part band entertainment, part walking entertainment. Um,
0: so he really created the first like multi-sensory experience.
1: We'll get into this in a little bit. Uh, eventually, this is going to be to expound to then say that there is going to be food vendors, there's going to be the bar, there's going to be selling of beer and liquor, and all of this is for these walking events. Um, in December of 1874, Weston attempts to walk 500 miles in six days. Cue the right. proclaimers, <laughs> right? And I would walk. Wait, that's something different. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, there was so much money that was uh, wagered on the event that the mayor of uh, Newark, New Jersey, feared for Weston's safety, and he threatened to call in the national guard. Um, <laughs> because there's so much money. <laughs> Gamblers that's were going crazy. gamblers are going crazy for this. There's a gambler that was arrested because he snuck into um the 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 roller rink and he poured chemicals on the track to try to sabotage the event.
0: What? To, yeah. To, well, no, I mean that that's almost like uh that, that might be your first instance of uh fixing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Getting into Holy, holy yeah. crud. Now um, Weston completes the five hundred miles with less than a half an hour to spare. And the New York Times Plasters it on the front page. Most remarkable feat on record. At that point? Pretty amazing, right?
0: It's pretty accurate because, you know, there's no, like, real baseball league. I mean, the, uh, you know, some of the organized leagues are in their infancy, but the, the, there's no, like, you know, th- yeah, there's
1: nothing to compare to this. This uh, initiates what the what the papers would go on to call walking fever, right? So there's now walking fever in the United States that people are, are clamoring for it. They can't get enough of it. And all over the United States, you have other pedestrians who are springing up. Uh, they want to cash in on the new fad. Um, it seems it's really easy. All you need to do is walk. All right, that's all you're going to be, be doing. And soon, uh, roller rinks across the country are filled with pedestrians who are walking against time and then walking against each other.
0: All right. So, it's kind of interesting that 100 years later the jogging craze yeah, happens everybody got jogging fever in the in the in the 1970s. Right. So, here we go 100 years earlier.
1: So, now you have companies and even newspapers who are uh, organizing pedestrian teams. In fact, uh, the four big uh, papers in St. Louis each had a team okay. and they uh, competed regularly against each other. So, this is not your 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 uh, your beer league. You know, yeah. these, these are not the, the company softball, but yeah. this is kind of the, the forerunner to that. Uh, in all of this, there's a new invention that becomes all the rage. People start wearing pedometers. Um, okay,
0: is that like uh, the 19th century Fitbit?
1: Absolutely, a 19th century Fitbit. Wow! So uh, it would it, there is there be a, a mechanism in it that would uh, you would uh, that would determine that what is a step and it would count how many steps. So they were counting steps way back then.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: Uh, There's a cobbler named John Welcher. He devised a walking shoe that has built-in springs in it. Okay. That would help you walk further, walk faster. Um, Mark Twain ends up being infected with walking fever. November 1874, he and a good friend attempted to walk 100 miles from Hartford to Boston. Uh, They gave up after 10 miles.
0: Sounds about right. Sounds tweeny.
1: They took the train, and uh, a reporter asked him, and this is uh, Mark Twain's quote. There was no intention on our part to excite anybody's envy or make Mr. Weston feel badly for we were not preparing for a big walk as much as for, as much as for a delightful walk. Good old nice. Twain. Good old Twain. There were other things that were starting. There was underwater walking. I'm guessing there would be some sort of a snorkel or something involved. Maybe
0: the rubber, uh, company. company got involved in that.
1: <laughs> Probably. Uh, there was how far can you walk carrying a, a, a keg of beer?
0: Oh, that sounds like a, a, a university uh, Greek game. Uh, <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, one-legged walking, backward walking. Basically, any way you could walk became extremely popular. I was going to say one-legged walking. That's I just it said it in the book. It didn't even describe it very much. I'm like, one leg. Is that called hopping?
0: No, but it made me think of Terry Fox, which I'm sure we will uh,
1: explore later on. Sure. So. All right let's enter hero number two uh, into the story now we have uh, um, the the uh the foil here all right this okay. is the skinny mustachioed Irishman Daniel O'Leary and there's some Great images out and about that you can find of Mr. Daniel O'Leary. Uh, he is the Daniel O'Leary that we ended up talking about in the preface of the book. Okay. He's going to come very be be very popular in this whole story. Now, uh, he's from he's from Ireland. He came to America in 1866 um, during a terrible famine in Ireland. He uh-huh. had no money. He enjoyed hurling. By the way, that's the second episode in a row we've talked about <laughs> hurling. But <Hurling's> uh, awesome. <laughs> hurling is awesome. Hurling um, is awesome. But he also loved rowing. Uh, those were the two sports that uh, he had. Right. Uh, he makes his way to Chicago. He worked lots of jobs. He worked a, a, in a timber yard. He ended up moving south for a while and picked cotton. Um, but I guess he was very, very strong, uh, had lots of, uh, of, of, of energy. Um, and he became a door-to-door book salesman. Okay, just so, like our friend like uh, Weston. So Weston is a door-to-door book salesman. We have O'Leary as a door-to-door book salesman. But basically, the similarities end there. All right, very, very different individuals. Now, um, O'Leary sells a couple of things. Gilded editions of the Bible. Okay. He sells Webster's unabridged Dictionary. And he's in Chicago. And he does most of this on payment plans. All right, so... Door to door salesman, you're gonna you're gonna buy this book, this dictionary of the Bible. You're gonna agree to pay X amount of money. Right. You're gonna get the Bible. You're gonna give me a down payment, and then over the next couple of months or years, whatever, you're gonna be paying me um, X amount to to uh, so then I'll be making my money back. Now, um, great Chicago Fire, 1871. Right. Basically wipes O'Leary out because if you think about it. The majority of the people that he has sold books to owe him hundreds of dollars. Okay. The fire not only wipes out the books, but the people are gone. Yeah. So now he can't collect. Right. Now he is underwater financially. All right. Other issue in the city of Chicago is um, anti-Irish sentiment was widespread because Mm -hmm. another O'Leary was blamed for the fire. Catherine O'Leary. Catherine O'Leary and talk, her cow. Talked about the cow knocking over the yep. lantern. Now, the city of Chicago formally absolved Mrs. O'Leary of Blame in 1997.
0: That's so, a long time.
1: Right. So basically they, they determined that it wasn't her fault or her cow's fault. That just became the scapegoat of it. But what happened is there's a lot of Irish, uh, anti-Irish sentiment in the city. Right. And And that
0: was ongoing anyway, just because, you know, Irish, you know, there was a lot of racism against Irish uh, at the
1: time. Against a lot of immigrants. A lot of uh,
0: European immigrants. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Um, So uh, O'Leary now. To uh, is forced to walk out to the suburbs to make um, his door to door sales, mm-hmm. and then he walks back um, every night. So there's not the L train for him to go anywhere, right. there's not any of those things. So he's walking, which proves to be a, a pretty good thing for him. Now he hears about good old Weston because you could not. Um, avoid it you know especially in Chicago huge story national story Um, O'Leary is hanging out um, with uh, a bunch of people and they are talking about how awesome Weston is uh, and he has a pretty terse exchange between those people Um, and um, O'Leary thought that what Edward Payson Weston was doing Yeah, it's fine, but he's just walking. Anybody could walk that far. And they said, "What are you talking about? You know, you can't do that. Um, You think an immigrant can can do that?" And it got actually a a little bit ugly. Wow. Um, So O'Leary, being the fiery Irishman, he rents out a roller rink. Of course he does. He rents out a roller rink on the west side of Chicago, and he announces that he is going to attempt to walk 100 miles in 24 hours. And during those 24 hours, he's only going to drink ice water and brandy. And he loves brandy, so he probably drinks a lot more brandy than than ice water.
0: All right, the second time we mentioned brandy and like uh, it, physical exertion, absolutely. In this it's, thing. It's,
1: it's great. Now he, he um, people pay. They, uh, he fills the arena. He meets his goal. He's got 43 minutes to spare. Um, a month later, he walks 105 miles in 23 hours and 38 minutes. So now he's um, pushing uh, in into some really rare uh, territory. So he then challenges Weston. He challenges him to a 250-mile uh, walk. All right. Weston laughs it off. All right. He is quoted as saying, make a good record first, and Meet Me After, which, for O'Leary, just ticked him off even more. Yeah. All right? Um, And so uh, O'Leary rents out a roller rink, but this time he goes to Philadelphia. All right? So now he's gone from Chicago to Philadelphia, a little bit more population there. And there, in April of 1875, he breaks uh, Weston's 24-hour record by walking 116 miles in 23 hours, 12 minutes, and 53 seconds. So, so he. That's impressive. Yeah, Philadelphia Times wrote uh, Weston would have to look uh, to his laurels for all of a sudden, in the height of his fame, a competitor springs up, with uh, b- and bids fair to throw his best feats into the shade. This wonder bears the common enough name of Daniel O'Leary. <laughs> so, eighteen seventy-five, throw in shade. Yeah, is in the newspaper that. That he's, he's basically throwing shade okay, at Petters his
0: up to, There's typos in the text the To section. throw his best feet. Oh, my gosh. And
1: yeah, he's throwing his best feet into the shade. He's throwing shade. He's throwing shade. At, at Weston. Now, a month later, back in Chicago, uh, O'Leary then bested uh, Weston's most cherished walking record. He walks 500 miles in five days, 21 hours, 31 minutes, and 50 seconds. That's more than two hours faster than Weston. So now he's bested him in two different events. All right. To, to, to rub salt in the wound a little bit more of Weston, O'Leary is presented a gold medal uh, from, the, uh, from uh, I think it was the, the, f- from the city of Chicago, and they proclaimed him to be Champion Pedestrian of America. All right. So this gold medal he's wearing, Champion Pedestrian of America. Uh, this becomes a huge thing for the Irish community they could rally around it and in fact people were loving pedestrianism so much that it actually started to bring a number of the immigrant communities and others together that again common something something common to to rally around mm-hmm. and this actually has to do a, a little bit of healing within the community after the the great fire right and uh so this is a, a huge uh, accomplishment finally um, it, it, the next, uh, well, in that summer, the summer of 1875, Weston agrees uh, to a match. Now, we have the two most famous athletes in America, and they're going to meet in a 500 mile race. Now, of course, today, when we talk about a 500 mile race, we're talking about the Indy 500, the Indy 500 yeah. or the Daytona 500 and all those kind of things. These are going to be two men walking 500 miles. This is the very first great rivalry in the annals of American sports. This is Frazier, Ali. Yeah, this is, this is, you know, Yankees, Red Sox. Um, this is any of those things. Now, unfortunately, Richard, looking at the clock, we're going to have to stop there. So thanks
0: for everybody, uh, hanging in (laughs) with us because walking,
1: right? Walking, right? Yeah. Um, so this is our first cliffhanger episode next time please join us and we're gonna wrap up the fascinating story but um, let me give you a tease here uh, coming up we're going to see the contest that the entire country is waiting for because of the Telegraph Richard it the story of this goes goes nationwide okay from San Francisco to to, to Boston and everybody is gonna be going crazy. Uh, for this event. think about, uh, you know, the hype for the Super Bowl. This is like that, okay, or or the hype for um you know some some uh, you know pay-per-view fight or MMA fight or yep. something like that. It, it's huge. Weston v O'Leary. And eventually we're gonna know that this is gonna be Weston v O'Leary one because there's gonna be more than one here. All right. Soon, we're gonna have a doping scandal. We'll have a rematch. We'll have an intervention from a member of the Parliament of the UK. All right. There will be championship belts, police corruption, a riot, a tragedy, new faces in the sport, including women and minorities. There'll be backlash to pedestrianism, and eventually we'll see the downfall of the sport and then the lasting impact that pedestrianism has on sports today. All of that and a few more surprises on the next episode of the Athletic Obscura podcast. Rich, any thoughts? I'm driving home. <laughs> yeah, I can't walk home. <laughs> I'm going to drive home too. It's like, it's like two miles from where we're recording to my house, and I'm going to be driving yeah. as well. Well, friends, thanks so much uh, for listening. Uh, if you have a topic idea for us, want to, to chat, want to agree with us, disagree with us, send us an email. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, if you've not subscribed, please do that. Please rate and comment. Um, that helps us out a ton. You can support this podcast financially. We have a couple of costs we need to cover. Uh, there's a link for that in the show notes as well. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, feel free to contact us. We'll get the ball rolling on that. And don't forget to check out anchor.fm for all of your podcast needs. And until next time, we invite you to uh, another discussion of the weird, strange, and unknown in sports. I want to talk about walking again. Yeah. Who knew there was so much?
0: That's absolutely crazy. And, I mean, there's more to... There's more to walking than just uh, putting one foot in front of the other. I Rankin think, and bass lied to us.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, friends. We will see you later. Adios. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. Transform your influence. Electric Electricast. Electric, acids. Electric acids.